What's up, everyone? Welcome back to episode three of the High Wrestling Podcast. Um, I still don't know how I'm getting away with this, but um, I'm not going to take it for granted in case I do get shut down. Our Instagram actually got shut down. I'm saying our, like it's not just me doing this, but my Instagram got shut down. I opened it this morning to try and like go in and see what's new, and then Instagram was like, your account has been disabled for 30 days, and I was like, fuck. I already hate Instagram as it is, so I kind of had, like, that split-second moment of, like, do I make a new Instagram, or do I just keep the Twitter active? So, I did remake Instagram. I kind of feel like it had to do with how much cannabis I was posting, because I do live in a state where it's legal. I do think that it had to do with the amount of cannabis I was posting on my stories, so, um, definitely not going to be posting about cannabis. Um, cause there's no other explanation as to why the Instagram got deleted. Like that's the whole point and concept of this podcast, but it's the main reason I got deleted. So the new Instagram is the dot HWP. And from here on out, I'm just going to be posting whenever there's a new episode because Unfortunately, I can't post what I'm smoking on, but I can tell you because right now I'm smoking on some source Nigerian silk. It is 35% sativa dominant. And when I tell you I'm fucking wired right now, I'm fucking wired. Okay. I smoked this shit while watching Dynamite this morning from yesterday. And man, man, I had the time of my fucking life watching that episode today. And we're going to get into that episode. Uh, later on in the podcast, because I have to stay in order of my notes, because if I don't, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, The only thing I'm not going to talk about is uh, Friday's episode of Rampage, because I was going to wait until then to record the new episode, but just to say on my schedule, I'll be like, I was just like, I'm going to cover Rampage on the next episode. Like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um... But yeah, so this episode we're going to be covering AEW Grand Slam. May, um, I was going to say mainly because, but before I started recording, I was reviewing my notes. And I was kind of just like, well, I talked about Grand Slam in the last episode. So what is what the hell did I just type up here now? Not even realizing that I like took notes while I was watching Grand Slam and like forgot about those notes. So those notes were out of sight, out of mind. And I had already thought they they were talking points that I had talked about in the last episode, not even considering that those were the notes I needed for this episode. So that tells you how everything is going for me right now. But definitely talking AEW Grand Slam, Rampage, and Dynamite, and we're talking the Dynamite following Grand Slam, and we're saving the Rampage following Grand Slam for the next episode because it's just too much for my tiny little stoner brain to handle. All right. So... One thing I do want to say, I do want to apologize for saying Suzuki Gun instead of Suzuki Goon because I had no prior knowledge to them as a tag team before Grand Slam. So I didn't, I don't have enough viewers to where there are a lot of people offended by that. I said viewers like you guys see me, listeners. I don't have enough listeners to where people can like spark an outrage about that, but just for who I am as a person, I am sorry for saying Suzuki Gun instead of Suzuki Goon. Um, yeah. So, 
one thing I did see on Twitter was like Bray Wyatt going to eat AEW. Like that's something that's expected by now. Like it, I feel like we should all expect that former WWE talent jump ship to AEW because there's more creative control. They can do whatever the fuck they want, and I'm pretty sure they realistically, if you were on the level of Bray Wyatt or like on the level of being an AEW, would you go back to the indies? Would you? I'm not saying in like a pretentious douchebag way, but kind of just like where you're at in your career. Would like considering where Bray Wyatt is in his career, would he go back to the independent scene or like go to another promotion like Ring of Honor or something or NWA or GCW? You know, like what? Like he's too big of a household name to go to something like that. And I'm not saying like that in a pretentious way. It's just like, nah. You know, not not something that makes the most sense logically. But I, myself, much like everybody else, want to see Bray Wyatt in AEW. But the only thing that was rubbing me the wrong way about that is that they were expecting him to debut just because AEW was in Rochester. When the whole point of Dynamite last night was to honor Brody Lee. Like, honestly, if you think about it. Honoring Brody Lee is an event of its own caliber. Caliber. Bray Wyatt's debut, an event of its own caliber. If you try to pull events and put those events in the same night at the same time, they take away from each other. Because I'll be honest with you, having Daniel uh, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole debut in the same night, as cool as it was, I feel like both of those moments took away from each other. Like, I knew exactly what they were trying to set up. But it's like, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, two biggest free agents in the game. And having them debut on the same night, cool, but... It's like imagine imagine the feeling had they debuted separately. Like imagine like I know it, it was a pay per view. You had to go. I know it was AEW all out, and you had to fucking go all out, all out and bring them both out. But could you imagine if they had like spread it out a little bit? Like obviously we knew Kenny Omega was about to segue into Adam Cole joining AEW. Which I honestly feel like, now that I think about it in retrospect, they definitely could have let Adam Cole debut on, like, Dynamite or something. Like, AEW, like, okay. Totally get why they had Brian Danielson and Adam Cole debut at AEW All Out, but could you imagine if it was just uh, Brian Danielson that had debuted at AEW All Out? And then you have the build-up with Kenny Omega up until AEW Grand Slam. Then, that's when you pull the trigger on Adam Cole. Like, imagine if they had waited till Grand Slam to pull the trigger on Adam Cole. That would have been... That would have been something. I'm not mad at how they did it, but could you imagine if... Okay, you got Brian Danielson. I keep wanting to call him Daniel Bryan, but I feel like you know who I'm talking about regardless. But just imagine the pop, like, okay... If it had gone to a draw, like if we kept the same outcome of Kenny and Brian at Grand Slam, imagine if if it had gone to a draw like it did. The Elite come out and jump Brian Danielson. They do the same thing they did with Adam Cole where they debut and they make you think that he's going to help Brian Danielson, but he just jumps in on the beating. Like, could you imagine that pop at 
uh, Grand Slam. The, all of these pay-per-views are about to be the same fucking thing for me. But it's just like, just imagine if they had waited on debuting Adam Cole. Because I love Adam Cole as um, as much as the next person, but it wasn't as huge of a pop as fucking Brian Danielson. That's Vince McMahon's golden boy. And he was like, I'm out. Because Adam Cole was more of an expected debut. I was not I was not expecting Brian Danielson. Like, I even said, I wasn't even expecting both debuts that night. But, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But, with that casino ladder match next week, that casino battle royal ladder match, that's the perfect place for Bray Wyatt to debut. Like, that's, like, how how they did Ruby Soho. That's how they should do Bray Wyatt with the casino. Because he could be the Joker. I don't know if his free agency non-compete clause is up. But, like, if, he, if they do pull the trigger on Bray Wyatt, the casino ladder match is, like, the best fucking opportunity for him to debut as, like, the Joker or something. A wild card. That's, that's, that's how you debut someone. Because, I, I don't know, I feel like it would have been too much if they had pulled, jumped the, if they even jumped the gun on Bray Wyatt. Because we don't know what the fuck goes on behind the scenes, but if Bray already signed with AEW and they're just waiting to pull the trigger, I, if if I was working on that team, I would wait for the Casino Battle Royal or Casino Ladder Match. Is it a Battle Royal or is it a Ladder Match? Or am I just confusing the two? T. Hmm. Okay. One thing I did want to say, speaking, like, branching off of, uh, Brody Lee, is that I'm, I, that wasn't a sigh of disappointment, it's just I have, like, a million thoughts running together at once. Um, but it's just, that was more of a sigh of disbelief, but, like, good disbelief, because it's just crazy how AEW is just giving back to wrestling like that. Like, first with the Owen Hart Foundation, and, like, actually honoring Owen's legacy the proper way, and then, like, the John Huber Foundation making that whole partnership. Like, I'm not trying to pit AEW and WWE against each other, but one does speak louder than the other, and it's, like, it's de- it's the silence is almost deafening at this point from you know who um but <clears throat> the last thing i wanted to get into before um we get into the whole chunk of things is i am not fucking watching roads to the top i'm not and it's not that i don't care about Brandy and Cody because I really don't care about their personal lives like that. I just come to watch people fight and get hurt. But when you have a mother like mine, there's enough reality TV in the world that I don't think I can handle another one even if it was for something that I'm genuinely interested in. Like I just I cannot do another reality show. And I just I I don't care enough really. And I don't even care enough to watch Being the Elite, because I know, like, Being the Elite is, like, from what I've seen, I don't have any sort of prior knowledge or context to Being the Elite, but what from what I've seen, it seems like half vlog, half play on those reality shows that exist. I don't even care to watch that. 
okay? Like, it's it's nothing personal against the people that put the hard work, the blood, sweat, and tears into what they do. But I'm just here to see people get hurt. I, I, I don't care about the bullshit. I just want to see people get hurt. Alright. So, I smoked on a lot, because this, uh, this is the portion of the podcast where I discuss what I've been smoking on, um, but throughout Grand Slam, and the aftermath of Grand Slam, I smoked on a lot, so definitely right after Grand Slam, I can remember specifically that I smoked on the Banana Jack, because I can tell you specifically why. I turned on Grand Slam right when I got home from the gym and I smoked the banana jack as I was turning on Grand Slam because I needed that post-gym recovery and sativas are really good for that I've learned because I my period started today and I've been cramping up a storm and this Nigerian silk has been helping me helping me out like Jesus Christ I love weed um but yeah, a Banana Jack Pacific Reserve, which I actually learned was a limited time strain. So I'm holding on to what little bit I have of that because they're never making that again. And I'm kind of sad because that was like one of my favorite sativas. And I'm not normally a sativa girl. I'm like a super heavy indica or a hybrid. But like that Banana Jack, that was a sativa. Man, that was a sativa. Uh, I think, so once the kind of post-gym recovery went off, uh, wore off, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's, like, the best choice of words to explain it, but, like, once I kind of, like, felt, like, once it was closer to bed, once it was closer to bed, that, there we go, that's it, that's easier, um, once it was closer to bed, I started smoking on, uh, the Buddy Buddy Ruthless 92 OG, which is a collaboration with RBL Posse, shout out the Bay Area, um, but yeah, uh, that's gassy. And, and I'm not only am I a heavy indica girl, I love OGs. I love my weed gassy, right? So that Ruthless 92 was a perfect segue into the end of the night. Because I swear to God, I was way too high by the end of Grand Slam to keep up with Rampage. Because I watched, I watched all of Grand Slam in one night after I got home from the gym. And by the time I got to Rampage, I was too high to... Um, keep taking notes so I just gave up and just kept watching stone to shit because I also had a high fi hops as well so I was I was out of it not out of it to where I was like non like where I, w- I couldn't comprehend shit but I was like I was pretty fucking stoned um and for those who don't know high hi- hi- fi hops is pretty much carbon like sparkling hot water that's infused with cannabis uh that's a good one. That was a real good one. And then I think I watched... Okay, I don't even remember what I watched. But I know that at some point in what, in some point of watching AEW Grand Slam, I threw a King Tarantula in there and smoked that to the face. And a King Tarantula is like a joint filled with two grams of weed covered in keef and it's got some distillate in there it's like one of my favorite things to smoke like straight to the face and 
at some point, I don't know if it was the day I was watching Grand Slam or like I was watching no, oh no, it was some something about I was watching something on Saturday. I think it was Rampage, but I don't know if it was like Rampage Grand Slam or like the Rampage Aftermath of Grand Slam. No, it was the Rampage Aftermath of Grand Slam. That's what I smoked the King Tarantula for. So it was the it was last Friday's it was last Friday's Rampage that I watched on Saturday and I smoked that King Tarantula. Hell yeah. And then today I watched Dynamite from last night and bought and smoked the Nigerian silk because when they say sativa dominant, they weren't fucking lying. And I also could not do heavy indica like I normally do on my days off because I have a jujitsu class tonight. So I can't get too high. Um but yeah, let's talk AEW Grand Slam. Let's get into it. So like I said, I smoked on that banana jack right as I started watching Grand Slam and that is like a super that is a fucking sativa, all right? So I was wired, and I was, like, so wired that I couldn't focus on the Kenny Omega-Brian Danielson match, because in that moment of me being wired, it became background noise. So I saw, like, bits and pieces of the match, because for the time that I was watching it, I needed to get ready for work in the morning and, like, get my life together, so I had to, like, do all the things, like, pack my lunch and lay out my outfit. Like, yeah, I am that person. I'm a stoner, but... I still have my life together, uh, but yeah, so I had to do all that, so I was like kind of in the, like kind of watching it and listening to it in the background while I was getting my life together, but from what I saw, they put on a fucking show, and I, and that was literally the result I said was gonna happen, I didn't care who won, I was gonna be satisfied with the outcome either way, but they put on a fucking good match. Like, that was fucking wrestling. Like, I, you, you can't even be mad that it came to a draw because they put on a good fucking match. I don't even know. Like, you know, I'm kind of with Kenny. Like, I don't even know if I want to see a rematch because it was that fucking good. But I know they're not done with each other. I know they're not done with each other, but that match was so good they really don't even need a rematch. Like, I know for I know storyline why they're doing it, but man... Man, like, what a way to kind of welcome Brian Danielson to AEW, because that was like, I man. I did think it was weird that that was, like, the first match, though. I That was kind of weird to me, because I was expecting that to be, like, the tertiary or secondary main event, like, the either the third to last or second to last main event. I wasn't expecting them to open the show. But that's how you open a fucking show. You know, that's how you do it. And they do it big up there. They do it big up there in AEW, and I love it. Yeah, no, those last few seconds had had me, like, shook. I was like, that man, he is going to kill that man. And that's when you know it's a good match, when you could just, like, calmly say, he is going to kill that man. He's, like, really going to kill that man. It's like, you just you just know he's going to kill him. That That's when you know it's a good match. Because it's like, he, he could kill him, but legally he can't. That that's a good match. It's like it's like you're almost at that point of death, but then you remember legally, you can't, for a multitude of reasons. Um. Yes. Next, 
Punk and Hobbs, of course I'm biased because CM Punk is my favorite wrestler. Of course he was going to win. Like, it's... It's CM Punk's return to wrestling after seven years. They're going to build him up to be the strongest guy. They're going to give him all these guys. Build him up to be the strongest guy. And I'm not I'm not saying, like, not saying the strongest guy. Like, you know, there, there's building up a guy to be the strongest guy. And then there's building up a guy to be the strongest guy. Like, it's just, okay. CM Punk back in wrestling after seven years. They want to make him look strong. Make him, like, come, like starting him off strong. I will get into this later, but I feel like right now with Punk's momentum, there is only one person. I'll, I'll get I'll get into this in a second, but there is only one person I can see. No, let me get into it now because it'd be a very perfect segue into like my next talking point. But um, before I get into that, I just want to say CM Punk's promo to Hobbs on uh the on Dynamite, I felt that shit deep in my core because it's like when you find something that you're truly fucking passionate about. Nobody can take that away from you. At all, period. Like, CM Punk to wrestling, or the wrestling to CM Punk, or like for me personally, tarot reading and this podcast. Like, when you know immediately that you're good at something and you're passionate about it, nobody can take it away from you. And you will fight tooth and nail to keep that shit. To keep that shit. I I don't even have another adjective, but it's like, I felt that shit in my core. When he said, you made a mistake and you let me live, I felt that shit. I fucking felt that shit. That passion, that gave me chills, that gave me goosebumps. I still, to this day, get chills and goosebumps when I hear Cult of Personality on my TV every week. I still get chills. I'm 24 now. CM Punk has been my favorite wrestler since I've... Middle school. I can't even do that math. I was like, you're like 12 or 13 in middle school, right? I'm like 24. Jesus Christ. So I know where the fuck he is coming from with that. You made a mistake and you let me live. That shit shook me to my fucking core. I felt that shit. But, um... Yeah, the only person I can see handing CM Punk his first loss is Malachi Black. Just from what I've seen with the whole Cody Rhodes program and the Nightmare family, Malachi Black is the only person I can see handing CM Punk his first loss. I'm not really like I'm not really following the Cody Rhodes feud because I I don't really know what's going on, and I haven't been that. It's not that compelling to me where I feel fully invested. Um, but I, I really, really, really hope CM Punk and Malachi Black to get to do a program together because they're the, he's the only person I can see kind of giving CM Punk his first loss. It's like, yeah, CM Punk is cocky and he says he's the best in the world and he's great at what he does, but then there's always that one person that comes around that knocks you down a peg. So, I definitely feel like Malachi Black is going to be that person to humble CM Punk, quote-unquote, in AEW. Hands down. Um, 
but yeah, that that was that was really just the the only segue I had because like I didn't I didn't have much to say about Cody and Malachi Black's match because I'm not really following their feud. But I I had no idea I had no prior information to Brandy Rhodes until that moment when she slid in the ring, flipped off Malachi Black, and said "fuck you." That was like my that's that was my introduction to Brandy Rhodes. So I mean, I'm kind of not mad at her for that. I just don't really know the woman. So I can't say much, but I, I that was a perfect introduction to somebody if I could say something about it. Um, yeah, yeah, that was like my that was the only really thing I cared about when it came to the match. Brandy Rhodes saying "fuck you" and flipping off, double flip off, double middle finger, not just one but two, Th- two, not just one, but two. So you know she means business when it's two middle fingers. Um, I just, you know something, I wasn't expecting Brian Pillman to lose. Like, okay, it makes sense, absolutely it makes sense that Brian Pillman lost. But, hear me out, let's take a pause. I really just thought he had that advantage with the mullet and shit. Like, you know how we were talking last week about how he is the only man I've seen rock a proper mullet in 2021? I thought he really had the mullet advantage because MJF, MJF can rock a Burberry scarf, but he can't rock a mullet. What's the uh, what's the thing where, where there was like a a meme going around on Twitter where it was like, M, like it, I'm using this as an example. It was like MJF can do whatever Brian Pillman does. But he couldn't wear a mullet. Or like, it was like. It was something something where like, somebody could do something, but they couldn't do this. It was like a whole thing on Twitter for like a hot second, like last year. It was like. Justin Timberlake could do. NSYNC. But he couldn't do Backstreet Boys or something like that. So it was like along the lines of that. I can't remember. Like I can't remember. But it was like I wasn't really. I know. I know why, but I just wasn't expecting it. That's my. That's where my brain is trying to go. Because pause. Brian Pillman was going in there with the mullet advantage and the fan favorite advantage. Me, I'm so focused on the mullet, I'm not even thinking, like, strategically why they got MJF winning. I was really there for the mullet. I was invested for that in that match and that feud simply for the mullet. Simply for the mullet. It's a good mullet. You know, I'm still, you know, he may have taken an L... But his mullet took a W. His mullet took a dub. And that's that's something MJF can't say. Uh, Ruby and Britt put on a hell of a match. Exactly what I expected. Exactly what I expected. Like, again, like I said, same thing with Brian Danielson. Way too early to be putting the title on him and Ruby Soho. Love him to death way too early. Way too soon. 
is expected. That's some Vince shit. That's some Vince shit. But, um... Yeah, no, it ended exactly how I expected, and obviously they're not done, because I didn't really hear their promo going back and forth on Dynamite last night, but I saw it, and I'm just like, yeah, they're not done. Um... But honestly, if Brit if Brit loses the title, it just can't be to Ruby just yet. Because, like I said, it's too soon for Ruby to hold the title right now. It's like it's a matter of patience. Um, somebody's got to... Oh my god, okay. I get the feeling that... Brit is not going to be champion much longer, but it's not going to be Ruby to dethrone her. Like, I feel like, okay, so th- th- this is, there are parallels in the Brian Danielson-Ruby Soho thing, so I'm referring to both feuds right now when I say this, but I definitely feel like the feuds are going to continue. Like, definitely there is some unfinished business. But, there might be a title change or two before. I get the feeling like maybe, like the feuds can continue, but I feel like there's going to be somebody else that's going to dethrone. Because it's like, oh, okay. That, that's where I, that, I like that. I like that, actually. I really do like that idea because, okay, Brian and Kenny and Ruby and Britt can, like, go after each other for as long as they need to. But somebody comes out the woodworks and snatches the fucking title. Could you fucking imagine? And it's, like, unrelated to the feud. Because it's like, okay, you got the Brian-Kenny feud, you got the Ruby-Britt feud... But then somebody else comes out the woodworks, takes the belt, and it's kind of like, well, fuck that for you. Now I got an issue with you because you took what's rightfully mine. I feel like that's what they're setting up. That's where it's going. Because they have unfinished business, but it's also like, it's it's that feeling. It's like a bittersweet feeling of like, you and I have unfinished business, but I know there are other people who want what I want, you know? So while they may have taken their L's, they're just waiting for the right moment to strike for themselves. But I feel like somebody's just gonna, like, it's just... Somebody's definitely gonna come, like, okay, there's gonna be, like, a sub-feud in there somewhere. Like, you know how they have sub-categories? There's gonna be a sub-feud in there somewhere. Because there's, like, a main, like I said, somebody's gonna swoop in and try and go after the title. Like, even the, okay, the casino ladder match. It's a setup. It's a trap. It's a fucking setup and it's a fucking trap. Because, okay, you got the umbrella feud of Kenny and Brian. Then you got the winner of the casino ladder match coming in between whatever Kenny and Brian got. And then now that means Brian's got a feud with this one person because they both want the same thing. And they both have the same fucking goal. So it's like, do I fight you or do we work together? It's the cycle. That same shit is going to happen with Ruby, I bet you. I feel like 
the results of the Nyla Rose, Thunder Rosa, Jade Cargill match is going to have a huge influence on whoever moves towards Brit's women's title. I just have this feeling, and I've mentioned multiple times that I read tarot. So when my intuition sparks up like this, I'm usually right. But I just, I literally can't shake the fact that something about whoever wins that triple threat on Friday's Rampage, because again, I record these episodes on Thursdays, and they're usually up, like, right when I'm done recording them. But I feel like whoever wins Friday's triple threat between Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, and Jade Cargill is definitely going to be a solid contender for Brit's title, for sure. But then they're going to have to be like, they're going to have to deal with Ruby, too. I want it to be Jade, honestly. I really do want it to be Jade. I'm biased, because honestly, Jade is tough as shit, and again, whoever does her wigs knows what the fuck they're doing. Because that wig did not, that wig stayed in place. Every match of hers, that wig stays in place. So shout out to her, shout out to whoever does her wigs, again. Um... But yeah, no, I really want Jade. I want to see Britt and Jade go at it. Because I know Jade is going to whoop the dog shit out of Britt Baker. Jade Cargill would whoop the dog shit out of Britt Baker. Jade Cargill would dog walk Britt Baker for that title. I want to see it. Ooh, I may have just created something for myself. Ooh, that, ooh, no, I really want to see that now. Ooh, ooh, shit, you know when you come up with a dream match and you just start thinking of all the possibilities at once? Oh, shit, I want to see Jade Cargill and Britt Baker go the fuck at it for real now. If they do not make Jade Cargill number one contender for, ooh, holy shit. Hold, no, they gotta do it now. They gotta fucking do it now. They gotta do it now. It's law. They really have to do it now. Oh my god, that's a beautiful idea. They have to do it now. Um. That's not where I expected to go with that tangent, but now I'm intrigued with my own thoughts. But the next tangent I was planning on going on was, okay. Now. I don't like the idea of couples working together especially when they work in the same industry but okay let's take the Paul Heyman custody battle storyline from WWE the bloodline that whole thing let's take it and flip it on its head the reason I brought up the couples thing I don't I don't like watching couples work together because sometimes it seems forced but Where I'm going with this is that if we take the bloodline head of the table Paul Heyman child custody battle storyline from WWE and just give it to the elite Adam Cole and Britt Baker but make Britt Baker the head of the table and everybody like has to bow down to Britt Baker. Oh shit that's a perfect segue from what the fuck I was just talking about because oh shit I okay. They need to fucking hire me. Because listen to this. 
Britt Baker. She just beat Ruby Soho for the AEW Women's Championship, right? She is unstoppable at this point. Who can beat Britt Baker? My pick for Friday's Triple Threat with Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, and Jade Cargill is obviously Jade. Because I know her and Britt would dog walk the shit out of each other. And I say that in like a respectful fighting way. I don't mean literally, but like in terms of what they do, they would dog walk the shit out of each other. I would want to see the fuck out of that, right? So those two definitely see going at it because if jade wins out of that triple threat she comes out of that looking like the strongest fucking contender she builds and builds and builds has like a mini feud with ruby along the way because ruby's going after the same thing she's like i lost my opportunity to the for the title you're not about to step in when i already had this opportunity and it slipped through my fingers and then jade could come in and be like i worked for this opportunity you just slid in and it was handed to you. This, that, third. You know the whole storyline. We've seen it many times in wrestling. But in the midst of Ruby and Jade getting into it, let's see Brit. Brit aligns herself with the elite. Full mafia. Full godfather. Full mafioso. Going full Sopranos. Robe and all. Right? Brit is the head of the table with the elite. Like, I know, they're prob- like, I know they probably want to do their own things, but just imagine... Britt Baker would be the head of the table. They would have to answer to her. Like, I, like, I mainly, like, out of respect, I don't like to see couples in wrestling work together. Like, if they want to, that's their choice, and that's perfectly fine. I just don't care to see it, because, like, I don't care, like, about bleeding personal lives into storylines, because, like, that can be taken out of context in so many ways, and it may not reflect too well on everybody involved. So, for those reasons, uh... I don't like seeing couples work together in wrestling. Just like, it's a respect thing. You know, you're there to entertain. You're there to do your job. I mean, if you want to bring your personal life into it, that's your choice. But like, as a fan, I just, res- I, I, not, not even just as a fan, it's just a general respect thing for me. That's just how I was raised. Um, and I just also don't give a fuck about what goes on in their personal lives like that anyway either. Because it's not my business. It's not any of our business what goes on in their personal lives. Um, but I can definitely see like if they do a head of the table bloodline type storyline with the elite and Britt Baker. Or even like the super click in Britt Baker. I can definitely see like a head of the table type situation. And they could possibly even do it way better. Because I say it's the Paul Heyman custody battle for a reason. Because that's what it pretty much is. It's literally what it is. It's like Roman and Brock are fighting fighting over who gets Paul Heyman. Like at, at the end of this... At the end of this... Fe- at the end of the Brock-Roman feud... Volume 2035... At the end of this feud... Paul Heyman is going to go with whoever is holding the belt. So, I'm sick of seeing that. Yeah. So now, Rampage Grand Slam. Like I said, I was biased, and I wanted CM Punk to win his match against Powerhouse Hobbs, and they really fucking stole the show. That's professional fucking wrestling, And that's how you open a fucking show. Like, if anything, AEW knows how to open a fucking show. Those opening matches that these motherfuckers put on every fucking week blow my mind. 
Like, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but even, like, Jungle Boy versus Adam Cole last night on Dynamite, I was jaw-dropped, wig snatched, unbelievable, unbelievable match from fucking everybody involved. That That's the next portion of the podcast, but just, like, in terms of talking about opening matches, like, unfucking believable man. Like, Hobbs and Punk really did it. And it's like, it was a great showcase for Powerhouse Hobbs, because that's a big fucking guy. And I really like that CM Punk is willing to work with the younger guys and, like, put them over and stuff like that. Like, they may be taking the L's, but it's just, like, for a veteran like that to want to come back and actually give back to the wrestlers who may have, like, grown up watching him. You know, like, I know he's not that old, but, like, you know, at a certain age, you grow up watching CM Punk. I guess you could say count that as what it is. Like he's not super fucking old, but like we grew up, we grew up watching CM Punk. It's, a, it's like it's just an honor to even like work with him. So that's kind of like what I see it as. I'm just re- I, I'm honestly you know something I'm because re- there is a specific type of wrestling veteran. I'm saying this. I'm talking like I'm actually in the wrestling business, but it's just I just I observe a lot, and like. Everything is the same, just in different categories. Like, if you really pay attention to the storylines and promos and shit in AEW and even WWE, it's no different from real life. Like, they're just people putting on a show, but if you just learn to read between the lines, you kind of just see. But, like, the difference between AEW and WWE is that, like, yeah, it's easy to see where all these storylines are going and what to expect. But in AEW, the way they fucking deliver it may not be delivered in a way that you expect. So it's like, you know what's going to happen, but you don't know how the fuck they're going to execute it. That's what I like. I like the intrigue of the execution. Or the mystery of the execution. I don't even know where the fuck I was going with that tangent, by the way. Um... But yeah, no, I, like I said, though, oh no, I was talking about veterans, because there are, like, a certain, there's a certain genre of wrestling veteran, I'm not in the wrestling business, but, like, it just seems from what I've observed, that there's a certain genre of wrestling veteran that just don't give a fuck about, like, they just let everything get to their head, and those are the veterans I can't stand. <coughs> Flair. Um, but... He's a veteran that actually, like, wants to give back to, like, what brought him to where he's at. And that's, like, that's something I can admire. That's something I can truly fucking admire. Um, I really do want to know why they have that grown-ass man out there by the name of Luchasaurus. They really got a grown-ass man out there by the name of Lucha fucking Saurus. I I don't know what to make of that. Like, I, I was watching it, and I saw his mask, and I know it's like the whole Tarzan, Jurassic, prehistoric period gimmick, but they really have that man out there, and his name is Luchasaurus. I've never. I have never. 
I'm fully invested in the storyline, though, because I just, anything, I love the comedy of how delusional the elite are, so I'm invested in this feud for that alone, because delusional people give you free entertainment. Like, I've been, listen, I'm 24, but I feel like I'm 42. Because I've had my fair share of abuse, gaslighting, relationships, trigger warning, by the way. I should have said that first, but it's like, I've had my fair share of going through the motions, going through cycles, going through bullshit. The delusion of the elite represents the delusion of my abusers, and it's straight comedy. Comedy. Because it's like, I'm, I'm, I hope I don't like offend like, victims of abusive relationships when I, like, in domestic violence and stuff when I say that, but the way I cope with things is, like, humor, but just, like, looking back on it in the moment, you don't think what's happening is what it is. Like, in the moment, you don't think what's happening is what it is, but then, again, looking back in retrospect and seeing it on an aspect of, like, wrestling, on a wrestling-level aspect, it's comedy, like, the delusion of being in a, an abusive relationship compared to, like, that same delusion in the form of wrestling. Because delusion is delusion. And delusion is, like, free comedy. So, I mean, I got a, I got a little psycho... I got a little too psychological, a little too deep, but I mean, like... I just love how delusional the elite are, storyline-wise. So it's just, it's fun to see. <laughs> it's fun to see because it's like, I I think I was making a point of like, once you've been in an abusive relationship, you can recognize that delusion like right off the bat, whether it's in the form of a wrestling gimmick or just like in the next person, it's still free comedy. And also, if you can't freely laugh and joke about what you've been through, no matter how traumatic it is, you haven't truly healed. I mean, South Park is still on the air for a reason. You gotta learn to laugh at yourself, no matter how, like, extreme it's been. Like, God doesn't judge me. God's not gonna say shit when I'm six feet under. So, I mean, fuck it, right? Yeah. Um... We got a little too deep, a little too morbid, so we're going to go get back on track. But, I mean, like, who cares at this point? Who cares? We're already three episodes in, and I haven't gotten shut down yet. So, cheers to that. Um, I don't understand the men of the year, and at this point, I don't care to, because I feel like it's way too late to ask questions. I don't know what the gimmick is. I don't know what it, what it is. Um, but, I mean, good for them. They're very talented. And they they are very well dressed men, so I mean sh- they they've got that going. They're really good in the ring. I I just don't know what it is or what they are supposed to be doing, gimmick wise. It's like you're men of the year, but what? It it doesn't make sense to me. I'm trying. I've been trying to figure out their gimmick in this whole thing for I don't know how long. I can't. And if I can't figure it out by now, there's no point in trying to figure it out. So maybe 
they'll show maybe they'll show us while they're men of the year. And I'm not saying they're not talented because I I heard Ethan Page say he's a double black belt. So you got to be really fucking talented to say that he's a double fucking black belt. But it's like for me, it's like okay, you've been saying that you're men of for me. You've been saying you're men of the year for God knows how long now. I've been watching. I have yet to see why you're men of the year. I don't doubt it, but I've yet to see it. So, why are you the men of the year? You know? Show us why you are the men of the year. Um, okay. Anything that the Lucha Brothers do, I am fully invested. Because after the shit that I saw at AEW All Out, like, I am, like you cannot fucking unsee a, a fucking J covered in Tic Tacs, like on the bottom of the shoe. A sole of a shoe covered in Tic Tacs. You can't, like, what the fuck? What the fuck? But anyways, like, that, okay, that eight-man tag team match. Like, I, I, anything the Lucha Brothers do, I'm fully invested in. I'm fully there. But Lucha Brothers, Lucha Bros, Santana, Ortiz, Hardy Family Office, Butcher and the Blade, that was professional fucking wrestling. There were way too many men for my liking. But, because men, just one man, that's enough. But eight men, kind of overdoing it. You know, one one man is enough, but eight men is kind of taking it a little bit too far. Um, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, that was a fucking match. That was fucking amazing. That was a match. That was a match. Like I, I, I. There are some matches that just leave you speechless, and it's just all you can. Like, there, honestly, there are some matches that I've seen since watching AEW and all like the only thing I can really say is like that's professional fucking wrestling. This match, this eight man tag team match, that was one of those matches where I was like, that's professional fucking wrestling. For sure. Like there's nothing else you can say. Like it's just it's so good all you can say that it that is that that's professional fucking wrestling. Like that was a fucking good ass match. I swear. Um Another thing that's been going on long enough that I don't really care to invest much more thought into is the whole TJ, Penelope Ford, Bunny storyline. Like, I get why it's happening, but I'm not convinced. And it's not, and again, I'm not saying that they aren't talented because those are some talented girls, but it's just, I'm not there. It's not compelling me. It's not compelling me. Like, honestly, it feels like just one of those, like, I I hate to say it, like, as a woman, but it's just, it seems like it's just one of those feuds that was put together for, like, the male gaze. Because they're all attractive women. They're all hot. Like, as a woman, I can say that all of those women are hot. But it's just like there are certain feuds and matches put together that you can tell were simply done for the male gaze. Because for me, I'm looking from like a fighting standpoint, just like watching them in the ring. They're cl- I'm not saying this in an offensive way, but it's just like you know, practice makes perfect. I know you can't, you, you can't, yeah, whoa. 
What noise was that that just left my body? First of all. First of all, I don't know what the fuck that noise was. Um, second of all, you can't expect to be perfect just because you're in the big leagues. Just because you've made it to AEW, right? You can't expect to be perfect, but like, there's always, always, always room for improvement. And I'm not saying that they aren't great. Not all four of them aren't great, but it's just like, just from what I've seen... I feel like they need just a little bit more before they, like, I just, I, you know when you can feel like a feud was just put together, thrown together for the sake of things? That's why it's not compelling me. Because it's, I, I feel like they just, like, if developmental was a thing, I'm not saying this in a rude way, I really hope this is not being perceived in a rude way, but, like, if developmental was a thing in AEW, I, this is a feud that can stay on AEW Dark. That's all I have to say. I only say that because I actually don't watch AEW Dark. It's one of, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think about it, and it's not that I don't think about it on purpose, it's just I'm one of those people where it's like if I have an established routine and I try to bring something else into that routine, it takes a minute to stick. So I haven't gotten to the point in my routine where I remember AEW Dark is a, a thing. Like I know it exists, but it's just one of those things where it's like, oh shit, I keep forgetting AEW Dark. So I honestly... For the sake of me just not watching AEW Dark, I feel like this is a feud that could literally be... This is a feud that could literally be limited to AEW Dark because I'm not that invested. Um, yeah. So, this is the point in the notes where I just got, like, really fucking stoned. I'm assuming because all I wrote was Moxley and Kingston. <laughs> I think I think this is officially the point where I was taking notes because I, I go in and revise the notes and try to make sense of whatever I say when I'm high watching Dynamite and Rampage. So that I think I, I think that was like one of those self-explanatory notes because the only note I have is just Moxley and Kingston. That's this is the only note. So yeah, no, they put on man. That's professional wrestling. Like, literally what I just said, I have no words. That's professional wrestling. Like, I... I have never looked forward to seeing a duo every week more than I look forward to seeing Moxley and Kingston. Because those two are insane. And I love it. I love it. I love it. The highlight of that for me was when Eddie Kingston put Lance Archer in that trash can and started hitting the trash can with the kendo stick. And in that moment I realized I love in that moment of me saying that I realized I love wrestling so much because it's so easy to visualize the people you hate. In those situations. It's like free therapy. Without like compromising your morals. 
So it's like, I don't have to actually hurt these people. I can visualize them getting beat up by these wrestlers and not compromise my morals. That's why I think I'm at peace when I watch wrestling. Because the way that there are so many people in this world, I wish I could just take a trash can and hit them with a kendo hit the trash can with the kendo stick like that was therapeutic right there and eddie kingston doesn't give one fuck even the even the pre-match interview he was like i'm done talking i just want to kick his ass like that's the energy i need eddie kingston is my favorite wrestler on that roster next to orange cassidy because orange cassidy and eddie kingston just represent my only two moods wherever whatever and let's just fucking go Because I'm not going to waste time talking when I can just whoop your fucking ass. This is why I started taking jujitsu classes. Um, But yeah, no. uh, I can't... I'm kind of almost scared to say something about uh, Minoru Suzuki in case he is watching or listening. So I just want to say that is the nicest old man wrestler... I have seen, he doesn't wrestle with knee pads, so I can't say anything negative about him. And um, we're just going to move on to the next segment. We're going to wrap that up and move on to the next segment. Because if I say anything else, I feel like he will find me. That man, John Moxley busted his eye open and he licked his own blood. What, what more can you say? What more can you say? Like, okay, I have a wrestling-themed tarot deck. There is a tarot card called the Devil that pretty much represents that. Why is he that tarot card? That's all I have to say about that man. I'm not saying shit to him or about him. He he will find me and kill me. I'm not saying shit. Except he uh, he is a good wrestler. That is a nice old man. Alright, so AEW Dynamite from last night. This is like the post-Grand Slam. And this is where I got confused on my notes. Because I think it was the fact that I watched Dynamite today. Thinking that I had already recorded the podcast episode talking about Grand Slam. So I threw myself off by watching Dynamite this morning. Because I had in my mind that I still had to record the podcast episode. Because I record these episodes on my days off. And, yeah. Uh, So, I just threw myself off this morning by watching Dynamite. But I wanted to watch it in time to record this episode and keep in my own schedule. Um, But, again, I've been smoking the Source Nigerian Silk. Like, I have been this episode recording this. Because sativas are really good for pain. I think I said this earlier, but sativas are really good for pain. I get, like, really bad lower back cramps when I'm on my period. And so... That was it. That was the one. So, watched AEW Dynamite this morning to kind of feel better about my uterus. Um, So, I kind of just, like, the way I organized the notes for Dynamite, I literally just, like, live-tweeted and, like, typed out. The bulleted list for my notes are my legit thought processes. So, what I'm going to do is... Read those thoughts word for word and provide context. I think I did this in the very first episode. But we're going to just read the bullet notes word for word. 
because, yeah. I still get chills when I hear a cult of personality in an arena. That feeling will never go away. I did touch on that earlier because it happened this morning. Um, I had no idea I was the same age as fucking Jungle Boy, but I got him by two months. Uh, when they said he was 24 years old, I literally stopped everything because I was like, damn, we're the same age and he's there? So I had to Google to see, like, okay, we're the same age, but am I older than him or am I younger than him? I got him by two months. I was born in April. He was born in June. But it's so crazy. Like, I think what threw me off is that it's so crazy to see people your age doing cool shit like that. Like, damn, you're the same age as me, but you get to, like, tour the world and you're on TV wrestling. And I'm sitting in my living room talking about you wrestling. (laughs) Um... Yeah, but that, like I said, again, when I talked about opening matches and AEW knowing how to open, like, their shows, that Jungle Boy-Adam Cole match was in fucking sane. Like, that was wig, snatched, jaw, dropped, dick, out. (laughs) Um... No, that was a good ass. That was professional wrestling. When I don't have the words for it, what do we say, children? That was true professional wrestling. Like, they really went at it. And with CM Punk on commentary, I was definitely thinking about, like, him and Adam Cole going at it on the mic. Like, I don't. I don't necessarily want to see them fight right away. Like, I don't want to see Adam Cole, CM Punk right away. I do, however, want to hear them go promo, promo, promo for promo. I don't want to see him in the ring just yet, but I do want to see him go promo for promo because I know that's going to be some good ass shit. It's going to be some good shit. Um, but when he said that shit about Adam Cole looking like the guy who listens to his own interest music in the gym, I fucking lost it because he really does look like the guy that listens to his own entrance music in the gym. I'm sh- now that he said that, I'm sure he does, and I'm sure he does, he does, he absolutely does. Now, now that he's yeah, he does. Adam Cole does listen to his own entrance music in the gym. He really does. Now that CM Punk said that, I'm never gonna unsee that, and I'm gonna start categorizing wrestlers into that category now. It's like, oh yeah, you def, not even just wrestlers, but people. I'm like, if you were a wrestler, you would listen to your own wrestling music in the gym. And I don't mean that as a compliment either. (laughs) I'm sure CM Punk meant it as a compliment, but I don't. (laughs) But, you know something, even though Adam Cole won that match, even though he beat Jungle Boy, we still don't know who has the best hair in AEW, because I saw that graphic on the AEW Instagram. Like, yeah, no, we we still don't know who has the best hair in AEW after that. Because, like, they, they really both have great hair. Wait, how, how old is Adam Cole? Since we're on the subject of age, how old is Adam Cole? Like, 40? No. No. Maybe it's the crow's feet. 32. His name is Austin? His government name is Austin? 
his government name is Austin. Yeah, he definitely listens to his own interest <laughs> music in the gym. If your name is Austin, you listen to your own wrestling music in the gym. Yeah. 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 Good good for him. I'm just like on his Wikipedia page now. He cites Shawn Michaels as his inspiration. I can definitely see it in his character. Because he's insufferable. Not in a bad way, because I actually like Adam Cole. But just like, yeah, his character has a little bit of insufferableness to him. I'm just more trying to figure out, this man's name is Austin. Jenkins. I would believe his government name was Adam Cole before I believe his government name was Austin Jenkins. So, um, who styles the Young Bucks? Who styles the Young Bucks? Because it's like being the best tag team in the world does not give you the excuse to be going out in those whatever the fuck you want to call it. Because... Who styles the Young Bucks? Who lets them go out there in those, like, I don't, what are those matching suits? What? There's a specific name, like a matching set. I, I, whatever the fuck they wear to the ring, that, that, that button-up shirt, short combo, whatever the fuck they wear to the ring when they do their promos and shit, stop. They need to. Kenny Omega was the only one with style. In, in that whole elite promo thing, Kenny Omega was the only one who was at least coordinated and had some style. Because it's like, you can't be the best tag team in the world dressing like that. That that does not give you the excuse to dress however you want. Like, I love that they piss off, like, sneakerheads and sneaker culture by wrestling in J's and creasing them. I love that. But at least if you're going to do that, you got to know how to dress. Because whatever, I don't know which one is which. Because honestly, I know they're not twins. Are they twins? Google. They're not twins. They're not twins. Are the Young Bucks twins? Many people. That's like the first Google search. Oh no, they're not twins. Really? For how frequently I confuse them, I would think they were twins. I'm actually, you know, something. I'm learning so much. I'm actually in disbelief. Literally, I thought they were twins this entire fucking time, but they're not. Anyways. Whether they're twins or not, they still gotta get a better stylist. Cause whatever Nian Cat shit one young buck was wearing, I don't know which one that was. It's gonna take me a minute to figure. Oh. Oh, they they list who was who on their Wikipedia page. Okay.
Nick left and Matt Wright at an independent show in 2013. That still doesn't tell me which one is who. That still doesn't tell me. That still doesn't tell me which one is who. Like, yeah, I know Nick is on the left and Matt's on the right. That still is not going to tell me which one is who when I watch AEW next week. Or even Rampage tomorrow, because I know Nick is fighting Orange Cassidy tomorrow. When he goes out there, I'm still not going to know which one is Nick and which one is Matt. So, this is just all too much. This is all, this is all too much. All too much. Okay, um, but yeah, also, while Adam Cole was talking, I literally have a bullet note, because I, I was obviously high while watching Dynamite this morning, so, like, the only thing I could really focus on, like, okay, we're gonna circle back to Adam Cole, because the man, the man's na- not only is the man's name Austin Jenkins, the man's got a forehead that's, like, fucking huge, like, I'm talking full, ho- full-on rectangle action, like, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, like, truly picking at Adam Cole's appearance, like, I ho- I, it's not personal, I'm just, like, high, and, like, I make, I'm saying this out of love and comedy, okay, it's satire, it's not truth, but, like, okay, he was making his promo, and I just, in that moment, realized how big his fucking forehead was, like, he, he's, he's got a rectangle, full-on rectangle action right there, I was like, alright, bro, now, I would, I was just like, alright, because, like, I didn't really watch NXT, so, like, this is the most I'm seeing of Adam Cole, and, like, for me, I notice, like, the little things nobody should notice, like, everybody's probably paying attention to what Adam Cole was saying in his promo, but all I could think about, like, he's got a big-ass forehead. He really does. I have a big-ass forehead, too, so it's like, I can't really complain. But it's like, I just, I just, you never notice how big someone's forehead is. Until, like, you're in the moment. Um, but Kenny Noballs. Okay, so on, before that, there was, there was a note and I made where it's true. I always have this habit of doing something while Kenny and Brian are going at it. Because when I was watching Grand Slam, I was getting ready for work and bed. When Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson were going at it. What happens when Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson are going at it on the mic? I'm making Eggo waffles. Four, to be exact. I had four Eggo waffles. But it just seems like I'm always fucking doing something when Kenny Omega and Daniel Bryanson, Daniel Bryan, Bri- Daniel Bryanson, Brian Danielson. What? Oh, you know, if I could afford to have the prices right, sound effect. You know when they lose on the prices right. <laughs> That's the noise that just played in my head. <laughs> Try to say his name. Oh my god. This is the High Wrestling Podcast for a reason. Daniel. Brian. Brian Danielson. Fuck. Why did he do that? Why did he just switch his fucking names like that? 
Because I've known him majority of the time I've been watching wrestling is Daniel Bryan, and he wants to go around and switch it to Bryan Danielson. That's like when I try to remember what Bed Bath & Beyond is without confusing it for Bed Bath & Body Works. Bath and Fuck! Fuck. Fuck. Anyways. Kenny No Balls. I like that. Okay, we're going to move on to the next thing. Um, I had to ask myself the question, did Andrade and Pac get to work together if when they were in WWE? That was another thing I was going to Google for the podcast because I couldn't remember if Pac had left WWE before Andrade came in or if it was like they ju- like if they had just missed each other. But um let's see. I don't think they did. Okay, no. Okay, I... I... Okay, I literally looked... I literally googled Andrade Neville WWE and the videos that came up were Adrian Neville. No, I just need to know if they fought when they were WWE, but based on the looks of things, I don't think they did fight when they were in WWE. Because, let me see. So, he... So, Pac was in WWE from 2012 to 2018. Really? Really? Oh, maybe I just didn't pay that much attention. And... Andrade was in WWE in 2015. So they obviously had to have had a match in NXT at some point that I'm probably... No, I'm not... Damn, did they never fight in WWE? Because I don't see it. I'm in the video Google results and, um... Looks like when he was Neville, he never fought. I could be wrong. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. The one time I'm allowing it. But now that I think about it, I don't even think they got... I don't even think they worked together when they were in WWE. But I could be wrong because I didn't watch NXT like that. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. But I really don't remember them working together when they were in WWE. Because I was thinking about that when I was like watching their promos, I'm like, oh yeah, they probably worked together when they were in WWE. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Um, I literally have a bullet point that says, maybe I'm just dummy high at this point, but what if AEW's success is Vince's karma? And it makes a lot of sense. I'm not gonna delve into that further, but like, what if it is? I was probably just dummy high at that point. But it makes sense that AEW's success is Vince's karma. Um, Arn Anderson definitely called Cody Rhodes a bitch. He he definitely called Cody Rhodes a punk bitch. Definitely called Cody Rhodes a punk bitch. Um, Matt Hardy had the best WWE theme song during his his WWE run. Wait. I said WWE twice, but when he had, I was thinking about that. When he was giving his promo, all I could think about was, like, he had the best fucking 
theme song in WWE, his solo theme song. Like, honestly, the Hardy Boys theme, Jeff Hardy's theme, and Matt Hardy's theme, all of their themes were, like, top tier. But Matt's solo WWE theme, top, you know, nothing beats it. You know what I might do for the next podcast? By the next episode, I'm going to have, like, my list of top ten wrestling interest themes of all time. Like, WWE WWE specifically. Because, like, as much as I don't care for WWE, some wrestlers have some bangers. Bangers of some theme songs. So, next episode, I will for sure have, like, my top ten list of WWE wrestlers theme songs, because I'm still trying to figure that out for, uh, AEW, um, still trying to figure that out for AEW right now, but I can definitely, next episode, will give you my top 10 WWE entrance themes, because off the bat, number one is going to be D-Generation X, hands down. Like, no, nothing compared. Like, that that's the number one spot for me, hands down. And I'm going to say it again next episode, too. But, hands down, number one, D-Generation X had the best theme song in WWE history. Don't care. Um, I will say that uh, the Orange Cassidy, Dark Order, HFO match. Who did they fight? Was that right? Anyways, I cried when uh, Dark Order won. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I was full-on sobbing like a baby. Because I didn't realize... Like, I realized that that was Brody's widow. And I knew that that was, like, Brody Lee Jr. But I didn't know they had come back out to the ring when Dark Order won. And that's kind of what set off the waterworks for me. And then all of a sudden, here comes Leo Rush and all of his fucking acronyms. I don't know how many acronyms Leo Rush has, but that, like, I was, like, trying to figure out what the fuck he was calling himself. He was talking about investors and, like, Forex trading and shit. I was like, what, 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 first of all, where did you even come from to be having all these acronyms? I was like, where did he come from? And, like, on a night like that, that was a perfect type of debut because you don't want to take away from honoring Brody Lee, but... Here's Leo Rush. He just signed with AEW. Like that was like that's that's the like that's a perfect way to like I know that wasn't his debut, but just like to debut quote unquote someone without taking away from what the night was about. That's how you would do it. That's how you would announce someone being all elite. And I'm kind of mad because when I op- I I was telling myself not to open Instagram because I don't stay up to watch Dynamite and sometimes I don't want to see spoilers, but I fucked up. Open Dynamite, saw Leo Rush was all elite and I was like, "Fuck, but also hell yeah." You know? Um I would like to circle back to what I said about the men of the year because I suddenly remembered that they're they're useful. I used to think men of the the men of the year weren't useful because I couldn't figure out what their purpose is like I said earlier, but Ethan Page gave me the phrase tightest tits. So, I take back everything I say said about the men of the year because tightest tits. He said he I, I, did he say he had the tightest tits in the business? In eight or just AE, 
well, the business is AEW, but I can remember what he said for word for word, but what struck out for me was when he said Titus Tits. Um, I don't know if anybody caught the fact that the Straight Edge Society was reunited in AEW, but I caught that as soon as I saw saw Serena. Um, I saw, like, I kind of put two and two together, like, yeah, two and two together at towards the end of the episode, because I was like, okay, CM Punk is on commentary, Gallows is aligned with the Elite, and Serena is fighting Hikaru Shida next week on the Dynamite Anniversary show. That's when it kind of hit me that the Straight Edge Society was, like, somewhat reunited in AEW. So, I, ha- you know, I had to throw it back. Like, that... Straight Edge Society was, like, when I first started watching wrestling. Like, that was one of the big... Like, that was one of the biggest things. And that's when I actually hated CM Punk. He was a fucking piece of shit. His whole Straight Edge thing was, like, pissing me off and shit. Because he was, like... He was a really great... He was a really great heel. Remember when he had hair? Remember... I remember CM Punk when he had that long hair. He came out in the rainbow trunks... His hair was down to his shoulders. I remember that. Ah, uh, that's how I remember CM Punk. That tells you how long I've been watching wrestling. Although I'm not that old. Like again, like I said, I'm 24, but like that tells you for me that aged me. For where I'm at in my life, that aged me. The Straight Edge Society being reunited in AEW, that aged me. It didn't age me as much as seeing Captain Underpants and a fucking antique mall did. I had a fucking I don't don't oh my god. When I I went to okay. Unrelated, but I went on like a weekend trip with my mom because she likes going on weekend trips and like going to like she likes going to antique stores and thrift stores in different like cities to go see what she could find. And we went to this antique mall, like, three hours away. I saw the very first Captain Underpants book in an antique mall. That aged the fuck out of me. Because I remember when I was reading Captain Underpants in first grade. Now, I will say this, though. I'm not a millennial. I'm technically Gen Z, because I was born in 1997. And I'm not necessarily a millennial but i'm kind of like in that weird little between limbo i'm like really close to the microphone i'm sorry i'm in that really weird um between limbo where it's like i'm too young for some millennial stuff but i'm too old for some gen z stuff like i'm old enough to remember like house phones and pagers and vhs tapes like all the shit in the 90s that somebody my my age would be like you're too young for that i'm like yeah i know what that is i cannot tell you what the fuck they're doing on tiktok though i can definitely i could definitely recognize the very first cell phone like remember the nokia brick cell phones I, i'm old enough to remember that but i can't tell you what a fucking tiktok dance is i can't tell you what tiktok is um but yeah, speaking on being on the subject of like aging myself. Um but yeah, I am going to end on Sammy Guevara winning the TNT championship because again, I don't really care about the TJ Bunny and Penelope Ford feud. 
Um, but Sammy Guevara winning the TNT Championship was well-deserved. I don't know much about him except that he's aligned with the inner circle, but I am... I always root for the underdog, and he seemed like an underdog, so he, he very well deserves that. Yeah, I, I, I literally, the only other, like, I, I can't say much about that because the only knowledge of Sammy Guevara prior to his match was when he was feuding with the pinnacle as part of the inner circle. Like, just, I have, my only knowledge of Sammy Guevara prior to this is him on that fucking golf cart when he was fighting the pinnacle. Like when the like when when the inner circle beat up the limo or something like they destroyed MJF's limo. That was my only knowledge of Sammy Guevara, so I mean, well deserved, well deserved, because he seems like an underdog, and I root for the underdogs, which is why I fucking love AEW. So um yeah. All right, so that is episode three. I will see you guys again for episode four, where we will. Recap and discuss Dynamite and Rampage for the next two weeks. Um, I think that Escape the Undertaker thing comes out soon. So if I remember, I will do like a, an episode where I am like going to try and figure it out. I don't know if I'm going to get copyrighted for that. But I'm going to do an episode where I try to figure it out. And it'll be just like a special episode, just random out of the blue drop. Um, but next episode, for sure, recapping AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, any other wrestling news I feel like I need to give my two cents on. Definitely we'll have that top 10 wrestling, our WWE entrance themes list. Um, and yeah, see you guys in two more weeks. Enjoy.